welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined today by a nomadic singer-songwriter, podcaster, 90s kid, and failed hipster, um, whose most recent album, Don't Let the Bastards Get You Down, uh, came out almost a year ago, last year in 2020. And uh, he's got a podcast called Dirt yeah. from the Road. And um, he talks about just all kinds of uh, strange and goofy stories from being on the road touring. And I'm excited to talk to him about his passions, artistry, and why he does what he does, as well as uh, a series of singles he's dropped recently, the most recent of which is Lionel Honesty. Thank you much for joining me, Brett Newski. Hey, what's up, Ben? How are you doing? Yeah, morale is pretty good. I'm. Um... So I got this little fake like uh, electric fireplace I'm sitting next to and because my basement doesn't have actual uh, heating. So, yeah, that's a good investment. Oh, that's solid. I my my apartment has radiators, which I'm lucky like it gets real toasty in here, but it gets like too toasty. So I've honestly been still sleeping with the window cracked a little bit in the fridge. Yeah, cold. I've heard that that somebody told me i think bolter told me that was on purpose like they built them that way to make sure the pipes don't freeze in the something something there's some reason why they're they why they scorch you but i do like uh, i got radiators upstairs one of my favorite cozy things to do is just put my back against it when i'm like you know when it's real shot outside yeah yeah which uh this week luckily it's been getting um it's like a heat wave you know it's like 40 degrees out great walking weather um i got some fresh air uh earlier today so yeah uh we're coming up on shorts weather baby yeah i think so and i think uh you know actually i just went down to south shore beach uh yesterday and what a magic place. I mean, I, that's kind of a hidden gem. I call it secret beach because no one really knows about it, especially when you go down that trail, you know, and you know, it's like kind of hidden in the woods. But uh, we threw a bonfire there like last month. We like hauled all this wood down there, like made a big ass bonfire. We thought it would probably get shut down. But um, I think the cops have been letting it play this year, you know, so we we had a fire and uh, drank some beers illegally on the South shore beach and it, it was all okay. That's dope, man. Hey, yeah. give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah. We got bigger problems to fry. Oh, and uh, you know, I don't know my buddy, Scotty, he's a real nutcase. He says, he says, you can will the cops away with your mind just to believe they're not going to come for you while you're drinking a beer on the sidewalk and they won't come for you. And uh, so far he's batting a thousand with that methodology. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Status, yeah. statistician, status, statistician. Right. Yeah. I, I do. Uh, I do actually really like that beach. Um, last summer, I remember I, I, I had, it was my first time getting a bike. So I would go down, I would like with my girlfriend at the time, we would go down to uh, South Shore Beach, like hang out in Bayview a little bit. And um, there's like a little pocket of geese that always hang out in like this small little like um, uh, flooded part of the parking lot. Oh yeah. Um, and there's people there, like they're, they're literally there like every single day. Like there's, um, people there that just kind of like observe the geese, feed the geese. And, uh, it's, um, I really like birds. So I always, uh, really enjoy that part of that environment. You yeah, know, there's something iconic about like, you know, seeing a, a, a flock of geese just kind of waddling down in front of the icy beach and you see the Milwaukee skyline in the background yeah. like that to me, that is the Milwaukee postcard. And, yeah. you know, I, that's how I think of Milwaukee as a little kid. I actually used to fight geese when I was a toddler. Oh, um, it was a one-off. Like I was, I was, I think I was four or five. My mom said, and um, I was throwing bread at the geese, you know, and you know, when you're a kid, you like want to feed the geese, but you also kind of want to like hit them with the bread. Yeah. Not right. in a malicious <laughs> way, but just cause you're five and you're like trying to figure out if you can throw. And I, and I got too close to the geese and it came at me. And apparently I was five and I punched a goose in its, in its neck. Jeez. you know so uh <laughs> it's right at head level there same height 
Wow. Yeah. Um, well, they've got a lot of neck to hit. So, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. It didn't do anything. It just, uh, you know, it's like a rubber band. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to caddy and we had a lot of geese on the golf course. So like the, those, those guys get real aggressive. Uh, if, um, you, uh, if you just happen to like cut just a, just like an inch too close, like they almost on cue, like yeah. will come after you. I, uh, I actually read something recently that you're not supposed to feed geese bread. Um, you're actually like, it's just not like good for their digestive systems, you know? Uh, so if you're, if you're going to like hang out, uh, you know, like on the side of, on, on like the shore of a beach and there's geese hanging out there, you should come with like a bag of lettuce or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Lettuce is solid, easy on the tummy. I know my, like my weirdest bird experience, I was um, studying on the Union Terrace at, when I was at University of Wisconsin and it was packed, you know, it was this kind of a summer day. People were drinking beer, reading books. And there's this little tiny strip of lawn that separate lawn that it separates the lower deck from the upper deck of the Union Terrace. And these um, two male geese uh, started fighting over the female goose. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it was pretty it was kind of fierce. And they were like, you know, pecking each other's head. One of them got kind of bloody. And it was, and then one of them would like run after the female goose and she would run away. And then it started to become this huge spectacle where there was just a thousand people cheering for this goose battle. And it must've lasted like 40 minutes, I swear to you. And eventually oh. one of them uh, won the battle. The smaller goose submitted. He walked away with his head, you know, between his dinosaur feet. And the other guy got to go do sex with the female goose. Oh, he did sex, did he? Around the corner. <laughs> well, man, uh, nature and action is ruthless. It really is. Yeah, there's no mercy. And I mean, you've probably heard ducks have corkscrew penises, right? I, I have heard that. Yeah. 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 So the female duck, for those of you who don't know about corkscrew penises, the female duck has like... Um, what would you call them, like stunt vaginas? They have like fake vaginas that um, trick the male duck so they aim at the wrong hole and then they can get away from the corkscrew penis because apparently it's not that great. Well, <laughs> if we're, since we're talking about, we, we talked about being on the beach uh, and looking at birds, uh, I highly recommend uh, going over to Bradford Beach uh, before all the ice melts because it looks like a, I went there on Monday and like took a couple pictures at like the different like, you know, ice formations. And it looks like another planet over there right now. It's very striking. Yeah. People don't realize how incredible like Milwaukee is visually. I mean, I haven't seen a cooler city in the Midwest, like not no, no chance, you know? Yeah. Where, uh, where are you located right now? I'm in Bayview. I'm uh, right, right by that Collectivo in Bayview and by the Stone Creek and the Acme Records. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, uh, you're in, you're in one of those solid nooks, uh, right there. Um, I, yeah. I'm very fond of that corner. We talked about nooks and crannies before we went live, and uh, yeah, on this point, like Milwaukee just has so many of them. You know, I mean, even just walking back to my house today, like realizing there's like an old fire department in a back alleyway behind Acme records. And it looks like an old Al Capone, like mobster alley with like cobblestone road brick. And it's uh, it's incredible. It's everywhere you look. I'm going to have to go check that out. It's, you know, at some point, if not right after this, I got to go find <laughs> that nook. Um, I'll drop so you a pin. Please do. So Brett, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so, um, we, like you said, so before, you know, when we were building some rapport before we started recording, yeah. um, we talked about the first time we met was in the company brewing nook, yeah. uh, which, um, I've, uh, spent a lot of time in, you know, changing the song that it's goes more, it's, it's more of a cranny, I would say, Ben. Oh, it's a cranny. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, what distinguishes a nook from a cranny? I think nooks are more, they're like wider and more 
uh, pronounced, maybe like coming off a, a bigger alleyway or a road, but a cranny is, I mean, that's where you get real Harry Potter with it and it gets real kind of twisty and turny. Or maybe you have to squat to go in like, you know, Willy Wonka door would oh, be a sure. cranny. Where it becomes a really like um, uh, eccentric uh, uh, entryway, sort of. Yeah, I, like I you feel maneuver. like you have to maneuver. You got to maneuver, and I don't. I feel like crannies are not really as sought after as nooks, you know, because a nook it sounds cozy. You want to find it. It's uh, you want to be inside it, and crannies it's a hassle. Yeah, nooks you can have whole photo shoots, and crannies you're in and out. Pretty yeah, there's no good light in the cranny. Right. Well, uh, food for thought. Uh, thank you for that distinction. So, Brett, I've been I've been uh, familiar with you for a, for a while. You know, um, following just what you've been doing um, with your touring career. I was reading a little bit about you and how um, you've toured in Asia. You've toured in Africa. Um, I've been covering your music for Breaking and Entering the last couple months and uh, have been enjoying uh, a lot of your sort of self-deprecating humor, but also very relatable and resonant anxieties that I also struggle with a lot myself. Uh, specifically, um, uh, the, the newest song you have, which is about social media consumption and scrolling culture. We'll definitely talk about that uh soon we have a lot to talk about so let's um let's start with um a simple question of are you so like are you born and raised in milwaukee uh i well I, yeah i grew up in went to new berlin west high school which is like 14 minutes down the road from downtown sure okay dope um tell me a little bit about like what when you were a kid when you were little what did you want to be when you grew up a dinosaur. A dinosaur. What kind yeah. of dinosaur? You ever seen that movie Clifford? It's a it's a real shot '90s movie with Martin Short. Anyway, oh, man, I didn't. <laughs> no, I don't. I, like to be serious. Like, I never fathomed that um, music as a was could be a, like a profession or a job, just because I grew up in a very like conservative high school where there wasn't a lot of like encouragement for like creativity or you know it, i mean we had arts class but it was like you know like a like a big kid in a limp biscuit shirt would make fun of you for being soft while you were <laughs> while you were like drawing you like that's fucking <laughs> pussy shit and that was kind of my experience with high school um you know but i think as time went on and i you know i got i got the opportunity to go to wisconsin madison and i you know i got to start a band in college and then you know all of a sudden we're 19 years old playing the the pubs and like getting paid pretty well for being little kids, you know, in college and drinking beer for free. And I was like, holy shit. Well, this is a thing you can actually make money doing. And I was making more doing that than anything. Like I had an internship at an ad agency. You know, I worked at McDonald's in my teenage years. Like it was the most highest paying job I'd ever had. And uh, in Madison is where I really started to like cut my teeth and try to figure out like the business side of music, which was not cool at the time. Like if you were into learning about like DIY uh, music business, like marketing your band, doing your own posters, like that was not in, like it was, um, Madison was a, was a hip school. There was all these kids that wore oversized flannel and really tiny winter hats in the summer. And they listened to like Yassayer and Dr. Dog and Wolf Parade. And they thought I was the, I, they thought I was a total failure. Um, Cause we were playing like hooky power pop that was pretty geeky. So they hated us. Um, but it was like, it was this nice little oasis where I could really cut my teeth. I could make all my mistakes there without the world knowing and like just learn how to do music and run a band and um you know a lot of a lot of nights i remember seeing the backs of people's heads you know because we were playing like the pub on state street and they wanted to hear lumineers or whatever and we were playing like some grungy original songs and it was not working you know so it was a great era to really kind of figure it all out and we had like so many cool victories and we got to play so many cool shows but we also played you know a hundred piece of shit garbage shows at uh bob's pub on a tuesday where a guy dumped a bud light on my neck damn 
Oh, well, I hate Bud Light. Hate it. So it tastes, and it tastes like bananas. Like, uh, yeah, I yeah, I. God, Bud Light reminds me of high school. <laughs> the weirdest part about Bud Light is it's like the weightlifting guy beer. Like, if I've yeah, ever known it, a guy who like is big and lifts and is ripped, like he loves Bud Light. Strangely enough, yes, it's like you you wouldn't catch a guy like that drinking like a PBR. You know. Oh. No, it's the Gatorade of beers. It's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, precisely. Uh, I like that. Um, yeah, uh, I like what you said about you could make all your mistakes without people knowing. Because I, I definitely um, uh, felt similarly uh, when I was in college at UWM. Like, because you know. I, I think that like college teaches me like everything, especially in like that urban um, social environment that's just occupied by, you know, so much, so many rambunctious uh, 18 to 20 year olds and stuff. Like yeah. you, you learn really quickly of like who you're not trying to be, you know, and like that yeah. eventually kind of boils it down. It narrows it down to like what you are. And uh, I felt very similarly, like, you know, what kind of lifestyles and routines and um, vices that really just weren't, um, just weren't, weren't going to stick around. And eventually, yeah, I find that uh, I'm this, you know, as, as somebody who never really felt like I fit in anywhere, like, like you just find you're just a little bit of a lot of things. You know? Yeah, I, I hear that for sure. And I relate to that. I, you know, I felt like I never, I, did, I didn't have a, a ton of self-confidence in high school or even college. And I don't feel like I really started to figure out, you know, who I was and kind of what my philosophies were until like, at least my late 20s. So I don't know if you if college was a time where you could kind of figure out your niche and find your people, but I still like, I didn't fit in with like the hipsters and I wasn't, I didn't feel like a, like a power jock. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I had cool buddies that we drank beer together and that was cool, but right. you know how that is. It's like you, you, you find out later, you, all you did was drink beer together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like when you look at it objectively, that's about all we did. We just spilled a lot of beer yeah. and, uh, laughed at a lot of dumb shit <laughs> i mean that's the scary thing about like uh bar culture which is a very serious thing in milwaukee and and i'm a fan of but when it becomes like a thing that 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 is your world you know as someone who used to be in the bar culture and like going out four nights a week in uh college it's a it's a dark place to be because you know, you can kind of think you're having a heart to heart and connecting with somebody and then you hang out for two years at the bar and then you uh, you quit going to the bar and you realize that you were just drinking buddies, you know? Right. So you got to figure out your friends. That's right. Yeah. You, you kind of like um, you confront like when one thing, how much your personality is culminated by one thing that you know, can very easily be superficial, you know, like where you're just, yeah, we, we hung up because it was a thing to do. And it was, you know, just kind of what people our age tend to do when we hang out people's yeah, drink beer and party and shoot the shit, you know, yeah. and like, and that's why, yeah, like, I mean, I'm 25. Like, I'm not that I, I'm not that far out of college, but I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, gradually I am finding my friends, you know, I, I'm like looking and realizing like, wow, people that I was friends with in college, I haven't talked to them in like two years. Like, I wonder how that person is doing. And I like, yeah. you know, it's like you, you realize like it was that, that structure of an academic environment that was kind of gluing together a lot of those mm -hmm. relationships. But now it's like, I mean, I, you know, have like my core group that are maybe like um, four or five guys that. Yeah, like, that's all you or, need. Yeah, yeah. And I, honestly, I'm, I way prefer that than those massive superficial circles where you're all crammed into a sweaty basement drinking. Yeah. 
And those are, I mean, those are magic times. Don't get me wrong. Like I loved them for the most part, except when I would like wake up in a, in the bush, in a bush in the middle of winter outside of that, it was a good time. But yeah, on your point of like, uh, you know, thinking of somebody you haven't talked to in several years, I, I think it's fun to just text people out of the blue. If I'm like, Hey, whatever happened to that guy? Like I can spend, you know, 20 seconds on a text, reach out and they'll be like, what? but they'll be pumped, you know, it's like, wow, okay, that's cool. You're thinking of me. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I feel like that's, that feels good to do. And it's like a good morale boost for, for people also. Um, but yeah, you don't need that many friends in the, in the physical space. Like you said, one or two or three or four, and, uh, it's better to just nurture those relationships. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Like those are people I would travel around the world with, you know, like that, that core group, um, so, uh, so we're like, did you play uh, sports growing up at all? Yeah, I was real big into basketball. I played uh, four years at New Berlin West, and I played a year in college at UW Eau Claire. And I'm still actually still playing at the at the in the rec leagues and stuff. Still oh, pretty sorry. into it. Yeah. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see. Yeah. See. And that was another thing where that kind of like, I kind of self alienated was that I I never played sports and I was like and i never i didn't pay attention to sports yeah you know how sports are just such a big catalyst for another sort of like drinking beers sports is a huge just sort of like universal cue of like relating to people and i never know what anyone's talking about you know <laughs> yeah and and i hear you like sport especially in this country has almost gotten a little bit comedic in amidst covid when you realize like how serious like the things can be and then how how serious people take sports and the fact that like domestic abuse actually spikes in green bay after a packers loss it's like it's sad you know yeah um and to me there's just you know this might sound a little judgy i, I don't really mean it to be but there's nothing funnier than like turning on like cable tv and watching like skip bayless debate shannon sharp about who's going to start in week one for the New York jets for an hour. It's like, come on guys, you know, let's, but I mean, that's people, people want to see that. Oh, shit. they, they throw the ad homonyms in there <laughs> when that, when shit like that happens. Yeah. There's just such a, like, um, I mean, playing sport, getting paid for it, you know, that's one thing that's, that's incredible. But when your job is to just like, <laughs> critique guys ability to throw assists in the fourth quarter for a living you like to me that's just become so funny and uh yeah you're like you're getting paid to watch sports i i mean i i feel like it's more honorable to get paid to play video games i mean i'm gonna get my ass kicked i sound like a judgy indie hipster piece of shit but that's just how i feel right now <laughs> well uh we can get our ass kicked together because i'll boil it down even more and say these people are paid to critique um, uh, people throwing a ball in a in a net, or throw, <laughs> or or taking a ball and moving it somewhere else. Well, when you say it like that, yep, where I, <laughs> our ethos is aligned. But hey, don't get me wrong; I love sport. I'm gonna go to the gym tomorrow and uh, miss a couple threes. Have fun, have fun. Yeah, um, so, so Brett, uh, so like. Um, tell me about the first time you were on the road, like on tour, like, was that, uh, that, was that your 2011 tour in Asia? The first time I'm, uh, la, la, la. yeah, I think the first time I even ever did a tour was outside of like a power weekend was like age 25. I was, I got invited to do this DIY, like crust punk tour of South Africa. Oh. And that was when I, I was like trying to figure out how to learn how to play solo. And it was just a pretty brutal tour because shit really fell apart. Like it wasn't well organized. The, the car broke down on the first day. So we're taking public transit around South Africa, which I mean, you don't even know if it's going to show up. Yeah. Like, so we would be late to gigs. We, we would miss gigs. You know, we'd be piled in like a minivan which would be like the taxi there we'd be piled in a minivan with like 10 kids and nine parents with like our guitars smashed over our face you know like just squeezing in right. so it was a total disaster 
but at the same time it really like blew my mind that like how well music and travel had connected because I was already obsessed with traveling I was already obsessed with music and it just became it was like this holy shit moment where I was like wow I can I can get paid to travel and even if even if we're playing tiny shows some of them were you know one show was to like nine people and then we would play to like 14 people the next night and it kind of gradually got better but even those shows to like nine or 14 people I was like wow this is uh this is pretty fucking cool like I just sold four records and like these two people were into it and uh they said come back next year and it's like this could maybe this could be a thing like if my first gig is doesn't feel like shit and I don't hate myself I keep going and it just I just kind of kept going and things just gradually got better every year and more people started coming and started to be you know less than uh broken it was uh it's just it's just been a good ride you know yeah oh yeah for sure um so was um was was asia or africa first which one came first so i lived in vietnam i lived in southeast asia after i lived in madison and that that was when i was playing shows around southeast asia i kind of there was like this weird little like folk acoustic punk community which i didn't even realize i was playing acoustic punk but i think i just haphazardly did it because i loved grunge music and i had an acoustic guitar so i think it just sounded that way to people and um yeah i got flown up to a little festival in hanoi vietnam to play like a folk festival and then we'd get flown over to bangkok and that's where i met um, the south african fellow matt vend and the tender 10 he was on the same bill as me we played this shot little pub in downtown bangkok it was like all wooden it was basically like a wooden shack and the pa was totally shot and blown out um, but it was packed and there was people from like probably 15 different countries and there was thai girls smoking cigarettes in the pub and like you know, passing like shitty rum around and there was like a British guy hosting and it was a really magical night. And, um, you know, we hung out on the streets of Bangkok to like four in the morning, went to this weird Chinese restaurant that was also a pub and uh, crowd surfed across the Chinese restaurant. It was like, it was incredible. And we just became best friends. And um, so I had him, I had Matt Vend out to visit me in Saigon, Vietnam like a couple months later and we recorded a couple songs together. I showed him the city, you know, we were driving around dodging garbage fires on our motorbikes and uh, he invited me out to South Africa. Oh, word. Dope. Damn. That, that sounds incredible. Um, tell, tell me about the insects in Vietnam. Mm. Great question. Yeah. So, I mean, the first night I moved into my apartment in downtown Saigon. I mean, I like woke up to get a drink of water in the middle of the night, flicked on the light and there's just three massive fucking cockroaches, like the (laughs) biggest ones I'd ever seen. Just, uh, just sitting there right in my kitchen. And then you quickly realize that's just, that's just part of living in Vietnam. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a big deal after, after a little bit, um, it's hot there, but yeah, there's some, there's some weird, there's some weird bugs. That city is just such a concrete, massive city that uh, you do see. Oh, how about this, Ben? So when we would finish a gig in Saigon, we'd like get on our little motorbikes. And instead of going to like Qdoba or Chipotle for like drunk food, we would go down to the soup stand and we'd like, there'd be one little lamp like swinging in the wind, like lighting up the sidewalk and some old lady would be like scooping up pho for a dollar, a dollar for a giant bowl. And they would basically hand you a tree branch with basil on it. And then you just pull the leaves off the tree branch, drop it in there in the soup, you know, 25 cent beers. And, you know, I mean, there would be like rats that would occasionally run around your feet and it just, it wasn't a big deal, you know, because yeah. like it just what goes down there. There's a ton of garbage and a ton of hot garbage, and the pulse of the city is just always kind of like so insane. And there's food yeah. everywhere for the for the little rodents to eat. But yeah, those are magical times, man. How how interesting. Yeah, that's damn. That does sound pretty. Like that sounds like you know just a total total culture shock from here because i mean i like i like cower at the side of a centipede uh walking 
going past the going across the basement floor, you know, when I'm doing my laundry and like I have to like <laughs> I have to like scale the wall to avoid it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, well, centipedes are horrifying. I mean, I would rather pet a rat, you know, than have a centipede walk across my foot. Have you have you ever been in Jerusalem? I have not. Okay. Um, if you go to Jerusalem, there's a lot of cats. Like there's an insane amount of stray cats everywhere. It's yeah. I, I remember like uh waking up one morning when I was there and um it was like it felt like a horror movie because all like just this legion of felines was just like lined up, you know, yeah. it, it, like uh like something like something like some freaky like cult shit was about to happen. It was crazy. Do they get pissed off and give you a hard time or are they just kind of everyone's pet? Uh, I mean, I didn't go up and try to pet, or, pet them or anything. <laughs> like I um, kind of just went about my business and, you know, just uh, walked past them to, to, to the coffee stand. Yeah. But um, I, I did hear they do fight a lot in the streets though. I mean, it's very yeah. territorial kind of thing. Um, there was wild dogs in uh, Thailand in a lot of towns I had seen. And I remember one night I was walking back from a gig in this little, this little mountain town. And this is actually quite terrifying. There's this pack of wild dogs that kind of like started following me and surrounding me. And I, they were blocking the road and I couldn't get past them. It was like two in the morning. There's no one around, but they were going fucking postal howling, getting real packy. And so I ended up kind of like walking off road, almost like through this muddy woods to like get kind of around them. But the whole time they were going postal. Um, and then I remember my buddy Scotty and I went to Cuba last October or pre covidious And uh, that was a different story. They had wild dogs all over the city of Havana, but they were like everyone's pet. So they were like nice dogs and they would come up to you and you could pet them and they weren't rabid or anything. They were just community buddies. Oh, wow. Great. Well, yeah, that's, cool. that's wholesome. Uh, well in Southeast Asia, I mean, monkeys are all over the place, aren't they? Like there's like monkeys that, you know, kind of like scavenge. Yeah. Yeah. There's monkeys there. They're actually a bigger problem in South Africa. There oh, sure. are, there's baboons there too in Cape town and there are, I mean, they're brutal, like they're smart and they got these little red, like human miniature hands so they can like open your windows and like they'll have a spotter monkey on the roof, like making sure he calls out if the people are coming home and then all the little baby small monkeys will slip in through the windows. They'll go through your house. They take out your food. They'll they'll steal documents for collateral for later. Like they're brilliant. They'll take a shit in their hand, throw it against your refrigerator, like wipe, wipe their uh you know, wipe their ass on your sink and then they leave and you come home and your house is a, a war zone. Man, that's, that's, that sounds like strategic. Like it's it a is. heist. It is. Yeah. Oh, I had a buddy, uh, my buddy Robin who lives out on the, on the Kalk Bay in Cape town. There was baboons fucking with his house and they had stolen some stuff out of his house, but he had to go on the roof and try to get something back from a baboon, which is like, I mean, half the size of you or me and they're, they're nasty. And um, he was like swinging a bat at it, trying to not to fall <laughs> off his roof. Oh, well, uh, Robin, I hope you got whatever uh, that baboon had. I just, I, I really hope you emerged. Yeah, emerged. <laughs> All right, so let's talk uh, about your podcast. Uh, so I love interviewing fellow podcasters. And um, so Dirt from the Row. Um, so uh, how, what, like, what gave you the idea to, to just start podcasting in general? Well, I, I honestly never thought I'd ever like it. I, I loved listening to pods, but I'm not like a... Um, motor mouth extrovert you know like i i like to chill I, i'd much rather listen but you know when i'm when i go into pod mode you know how it is you turn it on you drink a coffee and then that's your you know yeah. that's your platform to kind of get your thoughts and ideas and your stories on paper and i guess i always thought podcasting was just for extroverted motor mouths <laughs> and uh you realize that it's for everybody you know and I would encourage, I mean, it's such a great 
diary and therapeutic anxiety tool too. I mean, even if you're not releasing stuff, there's something cool about just recording um, your brain onto uh, an audio file, kind of like a classic diary. And I I find that very therapeutic also, but I, I guess I'm just, I didn't realize I'd have a knack for it. I'm really obsessed with it now. And I'm like really going hard on the podcast. And like we had Lumineers on last week, uh, all American rejects. Like I'm, I'm starting to get to talk to a lot of these bands that I really like. Um, and so I, I, I'm just going to keep going, you know, that's dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Like once you, and I, I said, I felt really similarly like when I started, like once you start and once you just get comfortable in the interface, like you just want to just keep, uh, you know, keep filling content and and just keep that momentum going and uh because if you have such a striking like a really like unique and fun and engaging conversation with somebody i mean such as this one we're having right now like it reminds you like uh why you started doing it in the first place um yeah yeah and you just want to keep finding people like that yeah i mean you really like language is such a cool art form and i i never fully thought of it that way until now like i always language as an art i always thought of like shakespeare some like some out of touch thing that i couldn't really grab grip my hands around or like i remember taking like a 1800s literature course in college and i'm like what the hell what is this like and um you realize that it's like it's like a song, like a story is like a song. Like you, you pace it out. You have a lull here. You have a punch here. You have, you know, you raise your voice inflection here to bring people back in. You slow it down. It's really fun, you know, and uh, it's fun. It's fun to watch. You can even like follow the data online and watch where people drop off or where they stick around based on like what you're uh, doing and how you're inflecting. So it's a cool medium, man. I think it's got a, I think the podcasting world has a, has a long future ahead of it. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. I, I think it's a great, it's a powerful medium to have real, like personable discourse about ideas and thoughts and feelings and uh, like, you know, predictions about the future and stuff like that, or just basic hobbyist things i mean i try to yeah like um i I feel like i learn i learn something new from every single guest i've had i mean we Uh, did four minutes on nooks and crannies which is something i've never talked about in my whole life and i feel like we you know we got somewhere with it we we really did we like actually um uh gave people a a distinction between those two terms that are often interchangeable (laughs) so um yeah uh in terms of your show uh so how long have you been doing it now pod has been going since may may 7th was our first episode and um yeah oh i got uh did one of my all-time favorite bands as from childhood better than ezra is coming on soon do you remember them yes yeah Yeah. i can love better than ezra and uh, this other band I've I've really fallen in love with more in adult life called uh, We Are Scientists. Oh, I know that band. You know yeah. them? Yeah. And they're, you should check these cats out because they're, um, Chris and Keith, they're the two front men, but their banter between songs is totally unmatched. Like they're like each other's comedic soulmate as well as musical soulmates, which is really kind of magic fit. Um, so they're a pretty, pretty, pretty great live show. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I like them. They're, I like their gritty rock energy. Um, I haven't listened to them in a while, but that'll be fun. Um, I'll, yeah, I, and the banters are very instrumental part of the show. Like it, it can kind of make or break the dynamic for sure. Yeah. It, it's cool to have that person you can bounce things off of live. Cause I know like in general, in my band, I'm the only one with a microphone and I, I'm either, I feel like I'm either on and I'm in banter mode and I'm, I'm zinging and zanging, or I'm, I just can't find, I'm just fumbling. And, uh, sometimes Spatola, my drummer will like yell something back from the drums to kind of like spark. me. <laughs> and, uh, so then we'll kind of riff, but, uh, yeah, banter is something and, uh, kind of, 
riffing, solo riffing and talking is just not something that ever came naturally, but it's something I really liked working on and uh, it's getting there, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. The, the last show I, the last like show, big show I saw before COVID was uh, Wilco at the Sylvie. Um, it was like four days before lockdown, um, literally that Monday. And I remember uh, like Jeff Tweedy was, he had like a cough, uh, like he was kind of a little sick and he was saying like, oh guys, I'm sick. Uh, hope it's not the virus though. And everyone was like, ah, ha, 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 he's talking about the pandemic. Like, yeah. I feel like it was like kind of like, you know, comical, but then like literally like four days later, people yeah, yeah. Were, oh shit, like we have to like, you know, shut everything down and not see our friends. Like, Back, it's, yeah, it's just that whole week just, you know, it escalated so quickly. And that was, that was like a week after Tweety said that was like the week, probably the week where you could get canceled for making jokes about covid it was like yeah. if you shoot if you post a picture of yourself outside you are going down like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so true like yeah literally that weekend like i had to like go into work and <laughs> like i saw people on facebook saying like stop seeing your fucking friends stay the fuck home uh, what the hell is wrong with you guys and i'm like I, I gotta go to work. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I think people are, I think people are finally like realizing they want to use that rage energy and like actually productive ways. You know, I think that, I think it's, I think it's time. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, such as uh, giving your money to people that are really fucking struggling right now. Like the redistribution of wealth. Yeah. Um, that's a great way to do that. For example. Um, so, yeah, uh, what was uh, what was your latest episode of uh, uh, Dirt from the Road? Uh, who did I have on there? I think uh, Joe List is a comedian. He's I'm a big fan of his. Um, Dashboard Confessional was was recently on there. I'm kind of mm-hmm. realizing now, talking to you, that I think it's more fun to be a guest than a host. You know what I mean? There's like less pressure, and you 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 just kind of come in and. Uh, I don't know, maybe you free ball a little harder or something. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't, I can kind of attest that I've been a guest on a couple podcasts, but usually I'm, I, I like to have the control over the conversation being the host, but I also, it is liberating um, with the occasional like being on the other side of that for sure. Yeah. I'll let you be the captain. That's, I'm fine with that. That's fun. You steer. <laughs> I'll be in the back, you know, drinking Bud Light. Are you are you at the gym? <laughs> you going to the gym after this, drinking <laughs> Bud Light? Um I'm I'm a hams guy myself, so I can't even love, love a ham. Um which is ham is out, you know, let's be honest. Like as a meat, it's like the eighth best meat. Like no one no one likes ham. I think people pretend to like it at Christmas and shit. I actually I actually just bought some this week because I haven't had it. And so, because I'm all, I usually buy salami or like roast chicken, but I like saw the ham in the, on the deli counter. I'm like, I haven't actually had some good honey ham in a while. So I actually just had some for lunch today and well, it's all right. Yeah. Ham is a sham. It's, but it's, you know, it's an, it's an efficient meat. If you're putting it on a deli sandwich, it's like the, you know, you got 15 minutes and seven of them are spent making the sandwich. You're going to go to sliced ham. But I mean, if we're talking like a brick of ham, you know, where you get the, I hate that where you get the huge slices of ham, like next to like some green beans on a, on a Christmas plate. I'm just like, ah, no. Yeah. those are two foods I don't want touching. <laughs> so what is spam? Spam? Uh, the food. Yeah. Uh, have you never had it? I don't think so. I've just seen the logos. Oh, so spam is like, well, it's made by Hormel Foods. And it comes in like those like kind of those small like little tin cans. And it's like a mix of like pork and uh, I think like, I think there's like sausage, um, but it's it's kind of like a 
it's i don't know it's hard it's kind of like uh it's like a foam brick right like a foam yeah yeah it was fun it's, it's a little like corned beef but yeah like a little like it's more Who's like it, this stuff it's i do i like spam uh but it's like a more like um it's more dense like okay. compressed corned beef almost um and uh yeah. So why is why are cheap emails called spam and like junk mail? Why is that spam? Uh, that I don't have the answer to. You'll have to look that up. I feel um, like it's like maybe people equate both terms as being shitty. <laughs> well, like the food and the mail. I have I have been ridiculed for enjoying spam. So that well, that you're would... your own man, you know, Ben. That's why we're friends. You do your own thing, and you uh, you know, you don't you don't uh. You don't take the straight and arrow. That's right. Yeah. No, like I, I, I like to catch people by surprise. I like, um, and sometimes that comes out in enjoying really obscure foods. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you have your own favorites. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to, because when you're a kid, I feel like you're terrified of certain foods, you know, like, like olives. What the fuck? Like there's a For me, it was shrimp. Bit. Shrimp. Yeah, shrimp is weird if you're a kid. Like yeah. any number of things. Like to me, sauce was weird. Like you're gonna put like a mayo on my burger. Like get away from me. Right. And then you, uh, you know, it's just like anything in life. As you grow older, you get brave, more brave with certain avenues. And then you're like, all right, I'll give me a scoop of mayo. You know, let me, let me, I'll snort the ketchup or whatever. Like let me try it. And then you realize you actually do have a pretty, pretty decent palate for food. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I mean, I, I like I used to one of those foods I feared as a kid was tomatoes. Like I, I was like, uh, I like a phobia of tomatoes. I hate <laughs> it was weird. Ketchup. I mean, I, I liked ketchup. I did like ketchup, but or like you know, you know, spaghetti and meatballs with the red sauce. But just straight tomatoes creeped me out. And to this day, like I can eat them on a sandwich. Like I started liking them more as a kid. But it's still like the seeds. That still creeps me out. Like okay, the seed, yeah. And same with like cucumbers. You know, I I don't like like the, the seeds. Ah, all right. Yeah. In like fruits and vegetables. Because like, you're like it's like that Rugrats episode. You feel like if you eat a seed, it's gonna grow inside your tummy, and then you're gonna be toast. And yeah, and then like I find myself like I'm a garden. <laughs> yeah, you're a garden. Um, yeah. That sounds like so, like a Tony Robbins motivational speaking moment. Like you're a, you're a garden, you're a garden. You, you <laughs> yeah. grow that shit. But yeah, I, I'm the opposite of you, man. I thought ketchup was horrifying. Like the texture, the sauce, the smell. I had this buddy, uh, Jimmy Howard, a good man, but uh, he abused ketchup. You know, and we would be like five years old, and he'd get like a Mick chicken and uh, take the top of the bun off, and I have this like vivid memory of him just smashing half a bottle of ketchup over the McChicken and then just plowing it and like uh, ketchup dripping off his chin. And that was, I mean, that, that was the end. of right, that, That's just me. offensive. That's just horrifying. <laughs> that is, yeah. That is like for, that's something you find like a forbidden, like shit posting page. Yeah. Cause you're uh, mixing tomatoes with corn syrup and then just putting it in a blender. Like, what are you, what are you doing? I don't, I don't want to see that. I, I get that out of my sight. Like I, I'm still, I'm very much like a textural person. And like, I, you know, I, I can't have things like that in proximity at all. Like for people that, um, in my, uh, I remember in middle school, people used to like, um, put like, uh, their flaming hots, like flaming hot Cheetos, like on their like lunch meat sandwiches. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and like or like dip it in nacho cheese. Oh. And I um, I I I have to dismiss myself if you're gonna do that. I mean, school lunch. Um, not to, you know, I we had this a la carte line in high school, which was an exciting thing at first because never had that in grade school like you can walk through a line and pick the items that's incredible but then you realize that like there was the nachos with the fake nacho cheese which right, isn't yeah. cheese and then and then the 
the, the like the the plastic burger that they deep fry and then the really soggy fries with a pool of grease <laughs> at the bottom yeah. and i watch kids eat that every day for 250 days in a row and there's no way they're still alive oh yeah i <laughs> or i mean i was like my mom was kind of a health nut so like i ate a, a bag lunch pretty much every day in high school good but, for you man yeah but you know not everyone had that and i just i meet people with where they're at you know and that and that's uh you know i i ate a lot of trash when i was a kid but i i was always grateful in my adult life that my parents didn't have the the all you can drink soda policy because some of my friends had that and i remember they would tell me like yeah i just crack a coke you know four or five six times a day i can drink them whenever i want and at the time i was like fuck i wish i could do that and i'm just so yeah. grateful you know yeah oh yeah same and i don't know about you so like do you drink soda at all no i i i retired yeah same same and like soda is one of those things that like once you like just stop drinking it like you don't you just don't ever want one again like i i never yeah, crave yeah. soda anymore i mean the only person i've seen drink a soda in the past 10 years and i'm not even kidding you is the cocaine head who uh was the contractor on my last house and he would crack mountain dews at 7 a.m but he was all he would also be ripping cocaine which we didn't find out till late till later when he od'd on the job and then uh, my girlfriend, Anna, found him like like um, twitching on the floor and oh, she called shit. an ambulance and saved his life like just in time. Oh, fuck. Damn. Well, yeah. good, good thing. She, good thing she was there. Um, Don't do Coke and Mountain Dew. No. At the same no. time. Separately. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Uh, yeah. Like I stopped drinking soda. Well, it was pop, you know, because I'm from Illinois, but it became soda once I came here. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, it just, it cost me extra money, like, uh, on my meal plan when I was in the dorms. And then, so I just kind of stopped drinking that. And now I'm just either drinking, uh, like I drink a lot of sparkling water. Like I was drinking a bubbly earlier, but coffee, water, and beer. That's, that's pretty much, uh, my, uh, cycle. <laughs> Yeah, it's good stuff. And it's good to see um, kind of the nu nutrition, you know, websites and blogs and YouTube videos becoming a little more mainstream because in the 90s, I mean, I, I don't ever remember like hearing anything about nutrition really other than like studying the food pyramid like you would just there was just soda machines in the high school. And if you were lucky enough to save up 75 cents, you'd be crushing Pepsis. Yeah. But I think I think kids are you know, they have access to this great information now about health and um, hopefully, you know, people are just being healthier, especially growing up as little kids in that imprinting phase when your bones are growing and shit, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Also, I, I stopped drinking milk. Like I, I haven't drank like just regular dairy milk in so long. Like I used to drink a, a big glass of skim milk every night with dinner. Like, well, they thought they tricked you into that it was good for you. There was all right. those PR campaigns that got milk and it makes you strong, but really it's just like sugary water. And there is some protein, but it's not, it's not that good for you. No. Yeah. And now like, I mean, you know, I still eat a lot of dairy. Like I love cheese. I love ice cream. I put butter in like everything, but I don't, I like just a regular glass of milk. Can't remember the last time I did that. I just get oat and almond milk for my coffee and that's pretty much it. Yeah. I don't mind oat milk. I kind of like how oat milk tastes like dirt, you know, in a good way. It's like very earthy. Yeah, right. You're like, oh, I feel like I'm one with the earth as I, as I yeah. take a slug of this. The same with matcha, like matcha is hip right now. Matcha green tea, which also tastes a little bit like dirt. Yeah. If you don't get all the sugar, the, like the syrup in it, but I, I kind of love it. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting a little green tea buzz and it and it tastes healthy. Yeah, I like matcha a lot. Um, we can we can ramble about anything, but for the sake of time, uh, I want to hear a little bit about "Don't Let the Bastards Get You Down," the, your last album that came out almost a year ago now. Um, so, do you want to start with, um, like, I guess, the title? Where did where did that title come from? You know, it was to me you know, the last several years was kind of the peak of 
bully culture being very mainstream and almost uh, accepted, whether we acknowledged it or not subconsciously. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, like uh, bullying was like a big part of my childhood and especially in high school and middle school, just having a hard time with it. You know, big kids like stealing my lunch money and like grabbing my sandwich and all the cliches you see in American Pie films and high school films or whatever but just to watch it go into like full adult mode and mainstream and see like you know dominator culture and capitalism and marketing you know come to some sort of like powerful peak in a kind of creepy way I mean yeah a lot of this those songs are just kind of about being a little person in the world and fighting the good fight and um it's so it feels like we released it so long ago now, but it, it was, you know, Spatola produced it and engineered it. And we we wanted, you know, we wanted to make it like a good rock record that was not too polished, but more, more, a little more produced than stuff we've done in the past. Cause I've always been a big fan of like raw music and um it's part, partially why I love the violent femmes so much, you know. So, but yeah, that's what I would how I would answer that. For sure. Yeah. Oh, I that's super valid and once again relatable like uh getting bullied you know it's it's seen as it's seen as like a centerpiece of like um of tribulation um that you is kind of part of like it like it's kind of like a social construct of where it's like just part of growing up you know and like yeah. I, I really like, I mean, I know a lot of conversations are changing about things like trauma and, um, you know, uh, family relationships and uh, um, the conversation about bullying and in in its various manifestations. But I really hope we can, you know, as a society, like move into a point where bullying isn't like so normative you know where it isn't where it isn't such a like you know is it isn't like depicted in like mainstream media as just this you know really like um universally like accepted like uh norm of things that kids just have to go through to like develop tough skin you know what i mean yeah i see what you're saying and yeah i think that translates when you get older in age to you know, in, in as a kid, it's like bullying and physical bullying and people pushing you around and like the social totem pole of high school and fighting for territory and popularity. And in adult life, it, it almost takes a new form of like, oh, we're all in this hustle and we have to get wins on the board, you know? And if I got to, I got to get a win over this person. I got to be doing better than them. I got to, I got to really splounch that person because they're on a, on a different level. And I think, I don't, I don't know if I would call that bullying, but it, um, it's, I don't think it's the most healthy way to, you know, to have our ethos run and hyper competitiveness yeah and and competition is good um and it's and it's obviously great for innovation and i you know i love it in sport and it's part of us and it's primal and it's important but it 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 be at a certain point there's just so many avenues of living where that it should not be a factor yeah 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 and like especially you know i know you talk about like the internet and the influence it has in our lifestyles and relationships and uh, um, perspectives. Like you talk about that a lot in your music too. And especially as it relates to the internet, as it relates to bullying, you know, there's the whole, th- the phenomenon of cyberbullying. I was, I was cyberbullied in high school and it made me like afraid to go to school, you know, yeah. like it's like that shit is, no joke before we go i ask everyone the same two questions on our way out um brett what keeps you up at night i sleep pretty well man um you know i've I've had work i've had panics uh health panics i'm a hypochondriac i worry a lot about getting sick i you know i worry about uh, losing my voice a lot and um but for the most part i'm sleeping pretty well good good what puts you to sleep um Let's see, podcast, man. I mean, not this one, but like I'll put on, uh, 
you know, I'll put on Theo Vaughn or, or uh, Sam Harris, and I love yeah. those guys. And uh, I I fall asleep to a podcast almost every night. I recommend it highly. Oh, that's tight. Oh, good for you, man. Uh, well, let's grab a beer sometime, and we can keep these conversations going. Thanks for being on the show. I'd love to, Ben. I had a I had a hell of a time, man. Let's do it again for sure. Good. Thanks, dude. For everyone Hi, watching, brother. thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.